Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. It's funny how people have this attitude of uh, last year was terrible, I hope this one will be better. Um, you know, a lot of people have that kind of mentality. It might have been a bad year, but then the attitude problem I have in there, or the problem I have with the attitude is, this year, hopefully it's going to be better. Um, because, like, I, I've realized, I mean, if you read the Word and you see the principles in the Word and you just see life, it doesn't get better just because you hope. Um, it doesn't even get better if you, because you pray. Um, and so, you know, we can, there's always new opportunities and new possibilities, and we just have to kind of, um, position ourselves and, and, and make decisions and go in the right direction and things. And so there's lots of things that we can say about that. But whether you're a, a person who makes New Year's resolutions or not, um, usually people who, who make New Year's resolutions, a lot of them that I know are um, always under a lot of pressure in general. Not because of the New Year's resolutions, but just because they're those kind of people. Um, and it's not wrong to have New Year's resolutions. Um, but I'm sure whether you did or didn't, you're still hoping for a better year. It uh, doesn't matter how good last year was, right? I did a little Google search. And uh, Forbes says that uh, the following are the most, the top five uh, most popular New Year's goals. Can you, can you guess what they are? Weight loss is definitely one. So fitness, improved fitness. More money is definitely one. Those are the top two. Fitness and money. So fitness is definitely lose weight was another one separate from health. Mental health was surprisingly 36% of the study. Uh, improved diet, those were all of the top five. Uh, five. Relationships wasn't there. Um, the, but the, the, the less popular ones, so ones that made up between 3 and 6%, okay, were traveling more, which is not one of our goals. Um, <laughs> definitely not meditating regularly which is useless un unless you're meditating on the right stuff drinking less alcohol whose goal was that this year <laughs> just checking someone might put up their hand um, then performing better at work performing better at work which I think for a lot of people that's a, a good one uh, to have as well uh, but that was 3% of uh, the people that were um, questioned on that and I think all of those things can be good depending on your situation, right? If you're drinking too much alcohol, you should probably drink less, so it's a good goal to have. Uh, but, uh, you know, for, um, I think all of those, like if you, if you put a Christian, like that, th those weren't really probably Christians who, who answered that. Because I'm assuming believers would have hopefully had somewhere on there something to do with growing my relationship with God. Um, or something like that, right? Um, there's many different ways we kind of dress it up. I want to grow in my knowledge. I want to understand the word. I want to attend church more. I want to this. I want to, you know, <coughs> there's a lot of different goals that Christians can have. And I was talking to someone uh, recently and they were sharing their New Year's resolutions. And their first and their biggest one was, I want to grow as a believer. I want to get equipped because I know God's got a calling for me and this is the direction I want to go. And I was blown away that that was their, what they said. It's awesome. It's a good thing to say. Until they continue talking. 
<laughs> and then they started mentioning, you know, I also want this, and then it clashed with the main goal. And then I also want this, and it clashed with the main goal. And at the end of the day, I think the main goal is probably going to take a back seat because everything that they want actually in life is going to clash with it. Um, and I think that's something we have to be careful of is maybe the goals that we have or the desires that we have and we express them in goals can actually um, counter each other and then you're just nowhere, right? So, yeah, if we want to grow as believers, which I assume everybody does in the room, then we need to aim at it. We need to pursue it. It doesn't happen by accident. Um, you know, part of a, an important part of spiritual growth, one that most Christians don't think of, is actually community. You know, yes, word, definitely word, but one of them is definitely community. And yet that's often not one of the priorities that people put in terms of spiritual growth. Why it would be important is because iron sharpens iron. So it's easier to grow in community because God designed it like that. He wants it like that, that we would be strong in relationship and then those relationships, we challenge each other. doesn't happen here, amen? Where we challenge each other, we encourage each other, we, we, you know, all of those things. Um, but um, you, you, you can't pursue relationships to the expense of the Word. And so sometimes we're like, I want to grow, I want to mature, I want to know the Word more, but I want to have more friends. And so the Word would take a back seat and the friendships would be the primary. And I mean, that can be expressed in looking for a church where you can make friends, where you're not looking for a church where you can grow. So, so that's one of the problems that can come out of it. Okay? And, uh, and so you, you have the, I mean, yeah, I think that's self-explanatory. But the most important thing that you or I could do in life is, firstly, to commit to growing as believers, and then secondly, to follow through on it. Amen? Following through on a commitment is more important than making the commitment. But because, like, this is the thing I was trying to say to this guy as well, is that everything in your life will be affected by your spiritual growth. Everything in your life will be affected by your spiritual growth. And just because you think you're growing spiritually doesn't mean you are. So we've got to see what does the Word say about what spiritual growth is and how does it look. Because just because you feel good about your relationship with God, and just because you feel good about your faith doesn't mean it is good okay there's challenge number one i guess because think about it like what does maturity look like what does spiritual growth look like we're going to look at it in a sec but that's what we've got to judge it against not how 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 um do do my friends and my family my peers do they think that i'm a godly person or you know do i act like a godly person yeah that's part of it both of those but we need to know what does the word say so we can not measure ourselves up in a way and then feel condemned and be legalistic about it, but just know what's the direction we're going in. Because a lot of people think growing spiritually is just going to church. Okay, I know you guys don't, but a lot of people do. <laughs> so they'll um, go to church, sound like a Christian, do the right things, and then, you know, there's, there's no substance. Because spiritual maturity is about substance, right? Okay, and um, so anyway, I'll ask the question. Let me ask this question. Um, well, let me say this first. You know, the most important thing we can do is commit and follow through on growing as believers because everything in our life is affected by that. You know, we were in um, 
we're doing the mission trip in Belgium, the mission trip in Albania. We're ministering to people in um, Italy. Or we connected with Claudia and Avi there. And um, we're in a number of other countries. And in between all of that, you see spiritually where people are at. Right? And a lot of people think that acting like a Christian is being a Christian. But you get a lot of people get tired of that. Okay? Because it's, there's no substance there. So we need the substance... To, to actually follow through. So a good question to ask yourself is, what do you want your spiritual life to look like at the end of this year? Like, let's make it a short-term goal. Like, what do you want to look, where, where do you want to be at in your faith by the end of the year? Because it's not just going to grow because you hope, it's going to grow because you make a plan to grow. So how can you grow this year then? And then you can start to say, okay, you know, ministry school starts in February, maybe I'll, I want to do that. Or, um, I don't go to life group, I want to go to life group. Or, you know, I don't attend church regularly, let me go to a church. Or, you know, I've never been on a mission trip, let me get the, do the training, school of believer, let me go on a, a local outreach or on a mission. Those are all things that help us grow. Um, and they're all important. But then also think about, like, what do you want your life to look like, your spiritual life, in five years' time? We think about it in terms of finance. We think about it in terms of health and fitness. But we don't necessarily think about it in terms of our relationship with God. And it's true for the natural as it is for the spiritual, but we are going to determine today how our tomorrow looks by the decisions and the actions that we, we make and take today, right? So... You know, we've got to start thinking about the future spiritually. Yeah, there's a number of things that, that help you grow as a believer. Okay, I'm not going to ask you what you think they are, but think about it and, and start to look at the Word as, are these things that will help me grow? Because this is, you know, some of them might be important, some of them might be, not be what you're thinking of. Um, but as we dig into, to kind of dig into this, you're going to see that there's certain things you need to embrace and there's probably certain things you need to let go of. And I realized that as I was meditating on the new year, that there's certain things that maybe we're going to have to let go of in order to grab hold of whatever else we should grab hold of. Because the, the, the thing is, is when we say yes to something, we have to say no to something. And when we say no to something, we get to say yes to something. So it's like, I'm sure somebody has an example of something you may have said no to this evening in order to be here today. And there's many people who said yes to something and then no to coming tonight. You know, so, so it, 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 that's, that's like a no-brainer, right? <clears throat> Look at Philippians with me. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. It says in the New King James, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, a lot of people take this kind of like maybe as a New Year's scripture and they butcher it a little bit, take it out of context. They take the principle of it and they apply it. But in context, it's saying I'm leaving, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving behind my efforts I'm leaving behind really what I was thinking was right, what I'm doing, and I'm pressing ahead into what God's called me to. And I think for, for, for most of us, like that's what we would desire for this year, is I want to walk more in my calling this year. I want to find and fulfill my calling this year. So 
in order for that to happen, what this verse is showing is one of the things we have to let go of in context is self-effort. <laughs> we didn't think about that in terms of goals and, and things, right? But that's probably one of the biggest things that we have to let go of is me trying to uh, earn or achieve from God or with God. Because that's not um, grace, right? So, you know, what, what do we have to let go of in order to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? Because every single one of us have the, an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Every single one of us has a purpose and a calling in God. But in order to fulfill that, we have to say no to certain things. Because we'll look at it in a, in a bit. Let me just see where it is. A couple verses time. That... Um, you know, like the, the purpose of, one of the purposes of the local church is training. Okay? How many believers do you know, obviously present company excluded, but how many believers do you know that aren't allowing themselves to be trained for their purpose? How many believers do you know that aren't allowing themselves to be trained? Now, it, because they're saying yes to certain things and no to certain things, it's the... I think it's the last verse that I have. I want to bring it up now. But Mark chapter 4 verse 19. We're going to get into this next week. But Jesus is telling the parable of the four soils. Okay. We, we know that and we love to uh, misapply that. Uh, or or misinterpret um, that. But um, the, what, what, what's happening there is it's showing <clears throat> four different hearts. Or stages of heart and things like this. And it's talking about the gospel but the, the, the thing I want to pull out of that for you today is from verse 19. In the Passion it says, And they allow the cares of this life, the seduction of wealth, and the desire for other things to crowd out and choke the message so that it produces nothing. So this is saying how this, the word is put into someone's heart and then because of other things, other distractions, it doesn't produce any fruit. So they don't see the results of the word because they were distracted. Those things you can call them destiny distractions. Okay? They are, are, are pulling us off. What are they? They are the cares of this world. We're worried about what the world is worried about. When many times Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Or don't be anxious for anything, the Bible says. Then it says, um, seduction of wells. Deceitfulness of riches, as the King James says. And so you know, that's something that can distract us uh, from, our, from, from experiencing the fruitfulness of the Word. The last one there is desire for other things. So desiring anything other than the Word. Because <clears throat> the Word is what's going to produce fruitfulness and growth in your life. And a lot of people don't experience the fruitfulness or growth in their life. Why? Because they desire something else. For example, <laughs> um, it's, 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 I, I prefer cooler weather, I, I, I really do, but there's many benefits to the, the warmer weather, right? Like, I mean, we're not freezing right now, it's not too hot either, it's quite pleasant, okay? But many people went to the beach this evening or to the promenade or whatever, bless their hearts, it's not a sin, but what's going to happen to them? They, they, they missed out on something here this evening. There's something that they're not getting because they said yes to something. And what was that something? Jesus spoke about it. It was um, a desire for something else. 
I just don't feel like going tonight, so I'm going to rather go to the beach because it's nice weather. It's the summer. Why can't they start church later? How many people have asked me that? Yeah, because it's, 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 it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I, my favorite example of this was someone who really wanted to be in ministry, so they phoned me because I wasn't in town, and they wanted to talk about it, and so they said, you know, I really feel called to ministry, and this and that, this is what I feel called to do, and I said, that's wonderful, was, but this person wasn't doing anything. They were leading a life group, so that's pretty good. But I was like, if you want to be in pulpit ministry on a Sunday, we need to draw you into things on a Sunday more so that we can help you grow into that. He's like, no, he understands that. So I said, why don't you start coming early on a Sunday, join the prayer meeting before church, and, um, you know, then, then after you, you're kind of comfortable in church, we'll, we'll let you do announcements, and we can, you can do ministry school, we can grow you in this and that. The next thing, they were like, yeah, that's a good idea. I was thinking of something, though, and I said, what's that? He said, well, would it be possible for me to come every second week to church? I said, okay, why is that? He said, because the one week he read this book, and because based on this book, he had this idea that maybe he should take one Sunday of a month just to spend time with God, and then he can come to church the next week, and then the, sec- the third Sunday of the month, he'll, he'll spend time with his family. And then, you know, the next week, he'll come back to church. And I said, okay, um, what's wrong with your Saturday? <laughs> I was like, because you've got another day on the weekend and you've got five other days, so help me understand, like, what's the purpose? He's like, I don't know. I, I, I was just thinking that, you know, Sunday. I was like, I think that you're not ready for ministry. I was like, I don't think that ministry is for you. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not prepared to work with you. And, you know, because the thing is, is like, if, if for example, for someone like myself, I, you have to do it every week. And it's not a have to, you get to, you want to, but... You, you, you need to, if you're wanting something, you've got to commit to that. And it's not wrong, again, it's not a sin to miss because of this or that, but it's like you're going to grow or get out of what, what you put in, what you pursue. Okay? So, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. Let's look at God's will. It says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So this kind of shows us what God's will is for you. Okay? And this shows what God's will is and mind, the mind of God for every single person on the face of the earth. And you might be thinking, okay, yes, but God's also called me to be a lawyer. No. This is God's will for you. We're not talking about job. Not job. We're not talking about vocation. Okay? We're not talking about what you do from... You're to make money. We're talking about your purpose, your, 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 your calling. Number one, he wants you saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Number two, he wants all to come to a knowledge of the truth. The all to come to a knowledge of the truth is talking about spiritual growth. Now let's just think about that for a moment. This is God's will for you. Did you notice it doesn't talk about comfort? Did you notice it doesn't talk about pleasure? It is pleasurable to know God more and to grow in these things. But this is the point. It's like, you know, if we're wanting to say no to things, to say yes to things and saying yes to things and we have to say no to things, then, then we've got to realize, like, it might be that we have to say no to things which aren't sin but are nice. And it's like, I really want to X, Y, and Z. But 
If this is God's will for me for the, for, forever, they specifically say this new year, then I had better prioritize it. Okay? So, yeah, God's will is firstly salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then the most important thing for us is that we come to a knowledge of the truth, and that's talking about spiritual growth. A lot of uh, modern church um, doesn't really have clarity, I believe, around what maturity looks like. And we're going to look at specifically what, is it, what does it look like in a moment. But the, you know, because there's no clarity around what does maturity look like, there's a shallow approach to the word. Number one, people don't want depth, they want encouragement. Right? People don't want meat, they want something like uh, hors d'oeuvres. They want some starters. Okay? Which means that discipleship is very shallow. And then on top of that, because there's no understanding of our purpose in Christ, and there's no understanding of our, uh, 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 what spiritual maturity looks like, we have a consumer-based attitude with regards to the things of God and with regards to church. And so the focus becomes entertainment. And, and then church becomes about entertainment. Whereas, like, you know, right now, I, um, I sometimes say it like this, and it's partially true, but we're contending for attention, the attention, not for your attention, but for the attention of people who are out there. We are we're contending with the promenade. We're contending with the mountain. We're contending with whatever's out there. You know, if we were in Orlando, Florida, we'd be contending with Disney World. Okay? <laughs> But when you see it like that, that's, it's, more, it's more correct to say that those are the things that are contending for people's hearts. But we're not in competition with those things. Because if we see ourselves in competition with those things, what's going to happen? We have to make sure this is better than Disneyland. And I mean, we'd all enjoy that. <laughs> but that's quite a lot of work. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You know, then, then I've got to... Maybe put on a costume and put a, you know, you, maybe next week will <laughs> surprise you. The point is, is that then you start becoming entertainment driven and consumer driven. And we have to do a, a, a customer survey. How, how was the, 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 the service for you? Did you like the word? Was the worship okay? And you're like, ah, oh, the worship wasn't that great. And we said it's okay, it wasn't for you. We weren't singing to you. Yeah, we were singing to Jesus, so it's okay if you didn't like it. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, is like so many, you know, because of the shallow approach to the word, so many believers are not fulfilling their purpose. And you know why? Because one of the fundam fundamental building blocks of their faith is often not established because they've got a shallow understanding of the word. And one of the fundamental building blocks is just a surety of their salvation. So a lot of Christians out there, you may have met some, I know a lot like this, who are like, they're just not sure of their salvation. We had one guy coming here off and on for a while, and he, um, I think he came up to myself or to, to Lucas, maybe even to Etienne a couple times after the service, because he was unsure of his salvation. And when we would give him word and we'd give him teachings to listen to and we would sit with him and I think uh, Lucas even had coffee with him to, to help him with this it, 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 it was it wasn't what he was looking for 
And so he doesn't come anymore. Why? Probably because when you're not giving him what he wants, even though what he needs is the understanding of the word, so that he can have the stability of, I'm saved. <laughs> you know, because a lot, like, um, we can so easily lack the stability that comes from the word, and it throws us off on our, uh, our, um, our faith. And you know what one of the fruits of that is? You go for an altar call to recommit your life. And then you recommit your life again. We never do that. <laughs> we've never had a, in, in 14 years or 15 years, we've never had a, 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 an altar call to recommit our lives because that's not accurate. Okay? There's a lot we can say about that. But, you know, what we're going to be looking at uh, uh, through all of this, uh, what, what we, this teaching and over the next couple of weeks is really what we need to know to feed upon truth that establishes us. And then helps us to establish other people. And this will affect your career. This will affect your health. It will affect everything. It really will. It's going to help you to be more confident in life. I really believe that. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2. King James says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So... The, the Bible serves as a, a foundation for our growth in spiritual things. And Peter here is encouraging us to desire the Word. Okay, the New Living puts it like this and says, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. Has anyone craved anything? We're not asking what. <laughs> okay, I'm pretty sure everyone's craved something. When you smoked, you never craved like a, a certain food. Maybe. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, something bad. It can be something good. You know, but some, often we crave something. And this is what the Apostle Peter is, is, is um, encouraging us. And he's saying that we should be craving spiritual growth. Craving things that make us grow. Okay? <coughs> if you think about it, um, it's not craving necessarily. But you can have negative cravings that pull you off track from eating the things that you need to eat to grow properly, right? In the natural. So like you should have a balanced meal and you go to? Yeah, yeah you said it, not me. He said it, not me. And you go to McDonald's. <laughs> you know? So that's not a balanced uh, a meal. A balanced meal is a pie in each hand. <laughs> Anyway, that's what um, BP puts on their pie wrappers. Ephesians, I don't know if they still do it, but Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Or well, actually, have we done? Uh, no, we haven't done this yet. Let's go to 2 Peter 3. <coughs> 2 Peter 3. Because here's the thing spiritual growth doesn't happen by accident, it happens because we desire and because we pursue. What? The Word. Okay? And we've got to make sure it's not a mixture of the word. That it's pure word. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be both uh, gl glory both now and forever. Amen. Passion puts continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, what I like about that is it's saying grow and increase 
in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then the passion brings the idea of intimacy with it. Why? Because knowledge, the, the, the word knowledge that it's talking about here in this passage is directly referring to an intimate knowledge. It's talking about a relationship. See, we're not just here to, to be a seminary where we just get more information. This is, this is like getting into the Word is not an intellectual exercise. We might seem very intellectual in the way we approach the Word and get into the Word and study the Word and dissect this Word and that Word in the Word and whatever. But the point is, is that it needs to lead us not to intellectualism, but to intimacy. Okay, that's what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Easy to read version. I'll always pray to the great and glorious Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that He will give you the Spirit who will let you know truths about God and help you understand them so that you will know Him better. Now if you go look at different translations of that verse, what it's basically saying is that He'll give us the Spirit which brings revelation. Okay, revelation would be what we're seeking. It's the revelation of Jesus. Not a special revelation for you and a special revelation for you and you came up with another revelation. It's talking about the revelation of Jesus. So Paul's praying that from the Spirit, we would, which brings this revelation of Jesus, we would have a deepening relationship with God because that's the purpose of the revelation. That's the purpose of the information. The information is received, it becomes something, it is revelation in of itself, but it becomes life for us and it produces an intimate relationship with God. And at every single one of us, at our core, that's what we desire. Because kite surfing doesn't truly satisfy. I mean, I, I, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago. I think it was a, tur a tourist. Yeah, it was a tourist who went kite surfing and ended up flat on the pavement. Dead. I mean, it's not going to happen to you if you go. So, you know, you trust God, be it according to your faith. But the point I'm trying to make is like, so things like that give you a thrill, but it doesn't truly satisfy. You know, you can have nothing and yet be satisfied because. Your relationship with Jesus is just life-giving. And that's what we should all be desiring this year. Isn't to know the, the Bible in Greek and Hebrew. That's a good thing, but it's not the thing. The thing is we know Jesus. We shouldn't want to, um, you know, just aim to uh, be at every church event and every uh, 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 training opportunity and all of those things. Those things can be good, but if they don't help you know Jesus more, and then overflow into your purpose, it's useless. So it's like what we're doing isn't as important as what we're doing where it's heading, if that makes sense. So, you know, we're encouraged as believers to grow in grace, which is to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to grow in our relationship with Him. Because when you're alone and nobody's around and you aren't feeling so great and you're having a bad day, that's who you get to turn to. Jesus. Because He wants to help you through the challenges of life. We're here for you. We can help you to a degree. But 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm probably going to be sleeping. 
Yeah, true story. When um, our previous uh, campus pastor in um, Solari's past, when her son was murdered, um, I think it was about three in the morning, she tried to phone me, and um, I was sleeping. And you might be thinking that's terrible, but I was sleeping. I trust that Lord will wake me up if I need to wake up. I woke up at about six or half past five or so, somewhere around there, and I saw that I had a message from her. I listened to the message, and I phoned her, and then we got in the car and we went to her. But the point is, it's like between when the problem happened and when we went, she had Jesus. Because he's more faithful than I am. <laughs> he's more faithful than you are. We need each other, but we need Jesus more. And there's a lot of people who are in Christian community, and they fall apart when the community is not there. Because they know the community better than they know Jesus. And Jesus is the one who wants to help you. Jesus is the one who wants to fellowship with you and, 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 and have a great time with you. So do we. But the point is, is that you're going to need Him more than you need us. Okay? So, growing up spiritually is about growing in the knowledge of what happened to us in Christ because that will grow us in the understanding of grace and will grow us in the understanding of who we are and it just strengthens our relationship with the Lord. You could say it like this. You know, spiritual growth isn't in addition to your life. Okay, You might need to do new things to grow spiritually. But spiritual growth isn't an addition to your life. It's more like a journey of discovery. It's, more, uh, it's not a, um, uh, you becoming something. It's you discovering something. You are complete in Christ. That's what the Bible says. A lot of Christianity tries to make us feel like we're not complete, but we're complete. So now you need to discover how complete you are. That's Colossians 2.10. Discover how complete you are, and then you can start to enjoy that. So, <clears throat> you know, generally speaking, growth is an indication of life, right? So if there's, if there's life, there should be some kind of growth. Um, so growth can be expected if there's life. With spirituality, it's a little bit different. The growth is always wanting to take place, but it only truly takes place when we desire it, when we pursue it. Look at Ephesians 4, 11 to 14 from the New Living. It says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, I like that, how it says His work, not your work. So, the purpose of the church is to equip you to do His work. Not for you to be a doctor, but for you to be an ambassador of Christ. Not for you to be a teacher in a school, but for you to be an ambassador of Christ in that school. Not for you to be a lawyer, but for you to be an ambassador in the courtroom. Okay? And then it says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Okay? Mature. What does mature mean? 
If we're talking about cheese, it means hard, right? <laughs> no, I'm joking. So, so, so mature in the Lord, it's not just mature in age, but it's talking about in the Lord. Then measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll be, we will, this is important, verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. So what this is saying, firstly, maturity is God's will for you. Maturity in the faith is God's will for you. This year, every year, but this year, God wants you to mature as a believer. Okay? Prioritize it. If you prioritize what God prioritizes, I'm pretty sure you're going to have a good year. Okay? The second thing this comes out and shows us is maturity looks like Jesus. We've got to have an idea of what we're aiming at, right? Maturity looks like Jesus. Maturity looks like Jesus. Maturity looks like Jesus. So, me becoming more and more mature is me living more and more like Jesus. Me and me loving more, being more compassionate, more kind, seeing more results, yes, and praying for the sick and things like that too. But it's about me being more like Jesus because Jesus is my maturity or the, the, the level of um, the standard of maturity. The other thing, this comes out, uh, comes out this for me in verse 14, when it speaks about we will no longer be immature children tossed about, etc., is that this shows me that immaturity will cost you. If you don't want to mature this year, and you say, you know what, that's a great idea, but I have plans to do this and that the next thing this year, so um, I can't receive the word like I should. I can't commit to church or to Bible study or whatever the, the things that you're wanting to commit to in order to help you grow. Um, if you're saying, I can't this year because I can guarantee you it's going to cost you something. God's not going to make you pay something. The devil might. <laughs> life will. Okay, it might not be the devil even. It might just be life. Because challenging circumstances come. Rain came. Wind blew. <laughs> My house was built on you. Whatever the song says. You know, the point being is that when we're built, like every Christian is built on Christ, but so many Christians are insecure in Christ because they don't know what they need to know in order to be established. Okay? So you would do well to make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to prepare for the storms of life by learning what I need to learn now so that I don't have to learn it when the storm comes. Because immaturity is going to cost sometimes severely. Spiritual growth <coughs> in Christ really starts with a clear understanding of salvation. And so that's something we, we have to dig into. That's something we have to look at. And I want to kind of look at a couple of verses just to... Um, dig into that to refresh us in what our salvation is. And so, um, go to Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9. Jonah. <coughs> the awesome thing here is this is going to show us that, you know, what we need to know about salvation is that it's all God's work, not ours. 
How many Christians do you know are trying to work for, for God? Trying to work for salvation? Um, often, I was like that for many years. You feel like you have to earn or achieve something. Okay? Jonah chapter 2 verse 9 says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have, uh, uh, that, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the point there is that the Lord is the Savior. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not of yourself. You're drowning out at sea. The lifeguard has to rescue you. You can't do it. Okay? So, Savior means someone needed saving. 2 Corinthians 5.19 For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. He was doing the work. No longer counting people's sin against Him. God's not holding sin against anyone in the whole world. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. These are things that we need to know as believers. And then as we interact with other believers and unbelievers, these are the things we have to share with people. We can't share these things if we don't know these things. And if we don't know these things and we're not established in them, it's going to cost us at some point. Okay? Someone will come and say um, something ridiculous like, sow into my offering and God will protect you. If you 365 rand, if you, if you, if you commit to, to giving that every, every month this year, God will protect you 365 days this year. Yeah, I can go into some churches and say that and people will give. Why? Ignorance. Why? Because they don't know the word. Why? Because they're following the man of God and not the God. They're more interested in the prophet's or the, the, the whatever, then they are in what does the, the word say. They, more, they want entertainment, they don't want maturity. Okay? So salvation is not a performance of ours, it's God's performance. Amen. It's something we just receive. So, there's, there's, there's a number of things we need to know about salvation and be established in. Otherwise, we end up falling. We end up uh, 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 paying more in life than we should for something. It reminds me, like, ignorance will cost you, right? Yes. I had a moment like that on the trip. <laughs> the ministry, the, the, the mission trip when we were in Albania. And that my ignorance of mathematics <laughs> and of uh, correct conversion with regards to exchange rates ended up costing me. <laughs> because I bought something that I would have never bought if I knew. It was a jacket and I needed a jacket. And then when I did the proper conversion as I walked away, I was like, I would have never bought that if I knew how much it really paid for it. You know, because I was, I, I, there was a, a zero involved in my head. <laughs> An extra zero that I left off. That's how bad it was. And I made the joke and said, God made me mess up like that because the jacket is really nice and it, it, uh, it kept me warm for the rest of the trip. But that aside, I ended up paying much more than planned because of ignorance, because I, I didn't do the, the proper work there. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. This is what happened to us at salvation. A lot of Christians are trying to become alive are trying to get somewhere, but this is showing you were dead, now you're quickened, made alive. 
Okay? Quickened by the life of God that you receive, the, the life of Christ, which is eternal life. John chapter 1 verse 12. I'm going to pick up the pace of it with the verses. John chapter 1 verse 12. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This is talking about something that you receive, not something that you earn, not something that you, 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 you grew up. You, you don't become a child of God in the sense of because you, you learned something, now you've become a child of God. You became a child of God because you believed something. And so it was a gift. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us by God. See, it's, it's vital that with new believers, but all of us as believers, that we, we, we receive teaching that helps us know what we've got in Christ. Otherwise, you're just waiting to die. And eternity is forever, so there's lots to look forward to. But there's a lot that we can experience in the here and now that we miss out on. But we also, with, with, with digging into the Word need to make sure that we ourselves are assured of our salvation and that those that we minister to are assured of their salvation. That they don't think they messed up and now the wheels fell off, I need to get born again again. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 to 10. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So salvation is a gift of God. It's not of yourselves. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So this is just pointing to, hey, all we did was believe, we received, it's all God. Salvation is a work of God that I received as a gift. Titus 3, 4-7. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. Now think about that for a moment as we pause there. There's many things that we think we have to do. I remember sitting with one of the wealthiest people in Stellenbosch on his wine farm. Unbeliever. In his early 90s or late 80s. And I remember sitting and I was invited because um, we had a mutual friend. So I was invited to come and share the gospel with him. So that's a cool opportunity. So he had a, a friend there traveling from Germany and I got to share the, the gospel with this lady and with him. She was in tears as I was sharing and he was kind of like, yeah, and they were both said though, but you still have to be a good person. This is what this is talking about. Verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done. They were adamant to be saved, you still have to do something. And there I was saying, uh-uh. <laughs> It's not like that. And there's so many problems people have with that. Because now, but what about this person who hurt me? What about that murderer? What about this? I'm, I don't know if that murderer is born again or not. But if they heard the gospel and they genuinely believed, they're saved. That's grace. It's unfair. You know? But I'm a better person than so-and-so. They, they cheat at work and they steal. They're not saved by what you do or don't do. It's about what do you believe. We need to be established in these truths because when we make mistakes, we default to what we believe. When we make mistakes, do you feel like, oh God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me? You pray David's prayer. 
then you're not born again. <laughs> if, if you think the Spirit can go, then you don't know that you've got the Spirit permanently. You're His permanent fixed dwelling place. Okay? Verse 5, But according to His mercy has He saved us. So this is saying you were saved by mercy. It wasn't something you deserved. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. I'll throw in there. It doesn't say water. It says Holy Spirit that washed you. Okay? Which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by His grace, not justified by what you do, but by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Look at Hebrews 7, 22 to 20, and, and 25. 22 and 25. It says, So much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Wherefore He is able to also save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. The word uttermost means forever. What does this mean? Your salvation is forever. When you received salvation, it was forever. Even if you never went to church again. Now, if you get saved and you don't go to church again, who's it going to affect? You. It's going to affect us because you, and your, your spiritual growth affects us negatively if you don't grow spiritually. And if you do grow spiritually, it, it affects people around you positively. Point being is, is uh, 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 you miss out more than we'll miss out, but you'll miss out if you choose not to do the things that you should do. But those things that you choose to do, go to church, uh, 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 read your Bible, pray, they don't cause you to be accepted by God or rejected by God or whatever. What do they do? They help you grow, 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 right? Read your Bible, pray every day. I mentioned that you were following. Point being is those things are beneficial to us and then by um, extension uh, beneficial to other people. Jude chapter 1 verse uh, 24. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Who does the keeping from falling? How many of you have made a mistake this year? <laughs> it's early in your whole life, everyone's made mistakes. And since you've become a Christian, I'm pretty sure we've all made mistakes. Okay? The point being, you making that mistake, you realize it was a mistake, and you moved on. You received grace and you moved on. Okay? That didn't affect your salvation because you can't outsin your salvation. He keeps you from falling, meaning your salvation is secure in His hands. You, we, need to be we need to be established in that truth that He's got me. Now, a lot of people get worried and think, but then I'm just going to go wild. No. If you truly have a revelation of this, you're not going to go wild and sin. But even if you do, the good news is you're forgiven. And that, uh, we struggle with that. But that's grace. <laughs> okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 33 to 39. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. You know, I used to read this with a very legalistic mindset. And I used to be like, who can bring a charge against God's elect? We're God's elect. And I'd be like, God can only do that. <laughs> so the answer to that is God can be the one who brings a charge against me. But that's not what the Bible's saying. Look what it's saying. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. 
So this isn't saying that God is the one who charges you. God is the one who justifies you. He's justified, made you right. Just as if you've never sinned. That's good, isn't it? So it's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Obviously God can condemn. That's what I used to believe. And then it says, It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is at the right hand of God and who makes intercession for us. So that's saying God's not condemning you. He chose to rescue you. He's forgiven you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? If we follow the previous logic, God can separate us from the love of Christ. But that makes no sense. Okay? Who can, shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is nothing. It says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? None of those things can. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing can ever separate us from the love that we have in Christ. Which is showing us that He is the surety of our salvation. Even when we fall short. Think about a, a loan from a, from a bank. <coughs> you take out a loan and you've got someone who stands surety for you and you default on your loan. Do you pay for that or does someone else pay for that? The person who said, I'll take care of you, they have to pay for it. Now some of you are thinking, who can I get to stand surety for me? The point is, is that it's like, okay, you know, God came and said, I I've forgiven you completely now. So even when you mess up and you now have a, a, a debt of sin, I've paid enough for that. So it's, it's paid for. It's taken care of. 1 John 2 verse 1 to 2. My little children, these things are right unto you that you may sin not. And if anyone sins, that's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> I'm writing to you so that you don't sin. But if you do sin. We have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. He himself is the propitiation. Atoning sacrifice payment for our sins. Not only for us but for the whole world. That's what this is saying. It's like we're forgiven. We're forgiven. And there's many other things there that uh, I want to actually just cover two more verses. Let's, let's do that. John chapter 5 verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The Passion puts it like this, If you embrace my message and believe on the one who sent me, you will never face condemnation, because you've already passed from the realm of death into eternal life. These are things that we need to be established in, because it helps us be unshakable. Which means you'll have confidence in the rest of your life. Because your faith is the foundation of everything in your life. It really is. John chapter 10, 7 and then uh, 28, not 7 actually, just 28 to 29. Okay. It says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Isn't that awesome? He's saying, if you're saved, you're saved. So we all as believers need to know about our salvation that we cannot lose it. We need to be established in that truth. We believe the gospel and we receive salvation. Now we don't work for our salvation. We work out our salvation. What does it mean to work out our salvation? doesn't mean it's a mathematical equation. Okay, what does it mean? It means that what's been put inside of us, which is Christ, we now learn to work out. Okay, like working out yeast in dough. You kneading it in so that it goes through the whole thing. Now you need to work out your salvation in a sense of help it start to get out and affect the rest of your life. We all need to start with the, 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 the foundational truth of our security as believers in Christ. This is where spiritual growth starts. Because if we know this truth, then spiritual growth isn't an attempt to keep salvation. Because that's what a lot of people do. Is spiritual growth is an attempt to keep salvation. Okay? Or they're trying to make heaven. Somehow. But we must remember we're not on a journey of becoming. We're on a journey of discovering. You say yes to Jesus, you're set for eternity. Now you want to experience some of that eternity now because that's God's will for you. God's will for you isn't that you just die and go and be with Him. God's will for us is that we would, uh, as, as it is in heaven, so it shall be on earth. So that heaven that now dwells in me will, my maturity is people start to experience that. People start to see that. He wants, his desire for me is that people would see him in me in everything I do. That's maturity. So we'll finish off with the verse we mentioned earlier. Mark uh, 4 verse 19. But they allow the cares of this life, the seduction of wealth and desires for other things to crowd out and choke the message so that it produces nothing. So in maturity... And being established in the things we need to be established in, the question is, is what are we going to allow in our lives and what are we not going to allow in our lives? What are we going to allow to distract us and what are we going to focus on and pursue so that we can be established and unshakable? We saw it through COVID. The world was shaken. The world will probably be shaken again in our lifetime. And so if you want to be ready for a shaking... Get established in, in the Word and allow yourself to mature spiritually so that when the poor poor hits the fan, you're not going to fall apart. Amen? You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.co.